I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve St. Clair, co-founder of Trouble Group. Join us as we learn from others who are shaking things up. You've probably read that exercise increases serotonin in the body. You might have heard of getting a runner's high. Well, as it turns out, exercise does a lot more than that. Serotonin releases a cascade of chemicals. With them, the brain responds like muscles, growing with use and allowing the brain to learn more easily. There is incontrovertible evidence that exercise can help all students improve in school. And at a time when recess and physical education programs are being cut, so children could get more time to study, many educators are reaching out and looking for ways to help kids get exercise moments in the classroom, in hallways, in gyms, and on the playgrounds. Early on, one entrepreneur launched a company called Fit and Fun Playscapes to invent ways to support educators who understand the importance of movement. Fit and Fun offers super stickers, reusable stencils, rollout activities, and appropriate to the current times that we're in, social distancing solutions. Pam Gunther founded Fit and Fun Playscapes in 2011 and recently took it international. Welcome, Pam. Thanks, Steve. I've been listening to this podcast for months, and it is really exciting to be here, and I'm honored to be included in this amazing group of troublemakers. <laughs> well said. Uh, before we begin, I should point out that Pam is a friend of mine and a client of Trouble Group, so you'll pick up as we go along that I am completely and utterly biased. <laughs> so, Pam, <laughs> let's start with a brief history of your career and, and how you got to Fit and Fun Playscapes. Sure. I am sort of the creative black sheep in my family. I'm one of five kids and they all chose safe careers like accountants, engineers, computer geeks. But I went left and I chose a career in architecture. I did pretty good in college, a five-year degree, and I completed my thesis on color theory, which plays a role in, in where fit and fun playscapes is at these days. I gravitated towards more of the project management side of things. I took a job uh, as a municipal planner and then a firm that did real estate evaluations across the country. I really learned a lot about building materials and systems and how they perform. I moved up the corporate ladder a bit, got my uh, architecture license, and I moved on to a similar firm in Manhattan. And uh, I was the vice president of their engineering division. My husband and I moved into Manhattan right by the UN, and we had our first son a few years later. Life was, was good, really good, until 9-11, and everything changed. We decided that we, we needed to move out to the burbs. I didn't really want to completely stop working, so I, I had my second child when we moved up uh, here to the Cold Spring area. We have three sons now, and my eldest son, Ethan, was just entering kindergarten. I wanted to be proactive with their education, so I joined the PTA, that's the Parent Teacher Association. It was around 2006 then, I think. I was asked to join the playground committee with another mom. She was an interior designer, and our first request by the principal was to paint games on the newly paved blacktop area. That's where the kids can, and, you know, can run and play kickball. Um, stuff, uh, games like that. We fundraised a bit and purchased stencils. And we knew that we wanted to use 
the stencils to kind of create some some basic shapes, but we wanted to build on that. We wanted to use them again and again and create different types of hopscotch, like a seahorse and a rocket with different colors. Um, when when we started to open them up and use them, we we, fig we we saw they were really thin. They started to kind of blow away and like that there was hardly any wind and they were just, they were, were not what we expected. They came in many parts and, you know, me as an architect and my co-chair and tier designer, we still couldn't figure them out. And we ended up painting them all by hand, all these games by hand. There was about, I would say 15, maybe 20 of us on the first day that we were painting um, and it was ours. And as you can imagine, the crowd grew thinner and thinner every week. But <laughs> of course. It was a spectacular project with colorful activities and unique yeah. designs that no one has ever seen before. And, and when it was done, I remember vividly standing there off to the side that Monday, and I could see how the students came out and reacted to the games and activities. It was, it was like lightning, Steve. That's great. And I quickly started to think about my, my own career and, you know, it turned into spreadsheets and, and, and Word documents and how it just wasn't satisfying my creativity, my creative side. So I started to think about different designs and, and how to use stencils to make them easy. And I would research materials here and there between nap time or at night. I would be that weird mom in the corner sketching ideas <laughs> for designs, watching my kids play in the sandbox at the playground or at gymnastics class. I would think about how my kids love to walk in the woods by our home, jumping on logs, carefully stepping on stones across a little stream that's that's there across the street. I would take these ideas and I would work through them in my mind while like I'm folding laundry or cleaning up dinner, little pockets of time here and there. And it really, it really spoke to me. It really started to fulfill that creative need. Um, as my older two boys grew and my eldest reached fourth grade, he was tested and diagnosed with ADD. That's attention deficit disorder. For a few years, he would come home and tell me how hard it was for him to sit mm -hmm. through class. He has ADD, which is attention deficit disorder, which is different than ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It just made him very anxious to sit there. It was like an internal energy. Uh, I call it like the silent killer because the teachers, it would be hard for them to, to see that a child, a student has zoned out. So um, it was just as hard as the child who would openly not be able to sit still in, at the desk. I could even see him and other boys struggle at short sit downs. Um, at some Cub Scout meetings, we're involved with the, my husband and I are involved with the Cub Scouts at the time. And we could see, you could definitely see some kids could handle that. Some kids couldn't. And, you know, short, like just a few minutes of doing an activity. Some kids just couldn't sit there. They would all benefit from like hands-on activities or anything to get the kids moving. They would, they would benefit from not just my own son. <clears throat> my second son had different challenges, although he was not diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. He was always and still is the mover in the family. I recall one moment when he had trouble remembering his multiplication facts Mm -hmm. I told him to go jump on the couch while he recited the math facts and he got them. He really liked doing it. And I think he learned the rest of his math facts that way. 
I did not know at the time that they called that kinesthetic learning, and I did not know anything about sensory processing disorder. I just knew what I could see as a parent. I'm not an educator or a doctor, but as a mom, as someone seeing for myself the benefits of movement and learning and how these two are uniquely tied together, I was intrigued. So with all of this, um, I spent some time and I began to see and understand that any movement would help my sons. And, you know, I was just assuming that there were other kids out there, um, kids that, you know, had needed help coping to, to sit in a classroom setting. I had our third son in 2009, and for some crazy reason, I finally decided to launch Fit and Fun Playscapes a few, two years later. I'm not sure how I did it, and my <laughs> husband was not happy about it, <laughs> but we made a very tight budget to work with. Um, you know, I just needed to make it work, and it was a slow build um, and a huge leap of faith, and I was very nervous, but we buckled down our budget and we made some real sacrifices, but as it evolved, I, I really felt fulfilled and happy and I really look forward to sitting down and, and getting these ideas on paper. We launched with about a dozen outdoor stencils that included classic recess games like hopscotch, although we had um, several different types of hopscotch. We had foursquare and basketball courts, all things that everybody knows happens out on the playground yard. But we all, I also created maps and mazes, and then I added nature activity circuits and targets, activities that supported some academic skills, but that were also just really fun. I, I, over the years, I would start to attend different conferences locally at first, and then once a year or so, I would attend national conventions. And this is where I really, Steve, I really started to understand what was happening in the classroom and in, at, in the schools. And I quickly learned about how schools work, the challenges teachers and principals face every day. Yes. Pressure, yeah, the pressure that are put on kids to achieve a certain level of academic success and the decreasing amount of movement and free play elementary school children receive during a school day. It was, it was eye-opening. Um, and, you know, I learned that there was indoor recess was just, you know, board games, options. The options were minuscule and pretty much ignored. And I live in the Northeast and there are certain, I think, laws that if it's too cold outside, that they're not going outside. So that could be days on end. And I know when my kids came home from school that day, I knew the decision that what decision the school would make on recess because they would be completely off the rails. <laughs> I mean, you know, they were wow, in the classroom, you know, in the classroom all day. Yeah, yeah, they would move in the hallways, but you know, you have to be quiet in the hallways. And it was just a very difficult experience. And so I would think about um, how I could bring recess activities indoors. I learned about the social emotional needs of children and I would create games and graphics to support schools in that area. In January of 2017, we were picked up by the CDC. We were um, cited as a resource in their recess planning in schools. And um, they didn't even tell us that they were putting us in there. And so the interest in Fit and Fun really started to pick up by then. We were completely surprised. And so we began to do more social media and making connections in the PE world. And we really feel like we're partners with all teachers, but the PE teachers really get 
what we've evolved into and in, in, in the, the, the mission that we have. We began to see our recess products really expand and be embraced as a resource, not just for physical activity, but for sensory and, and me- mental wellness. Uh, I learned a lot about how all that activity helps the brain in so many ways, like you said, to, to bring more oxygen to the brain and that helps improve focus and really just overall health. Teachers wanted more indoor options. So we started to uh, take our pop, some of our most popular stencil activities and translate those indoors to portable, you mentioned portable rollout game, excuse me, portable rollout activities, um, things that could be rolled out in the hallway or the classroom. And a few years after that, we launched super stickers, which are um, dec- decals that can be used indoors as well. And uh, one of those was a, a sensory hallway was created uh, a few years ago, and it was shown on NBC News for New York. So that was really nice to see all, you know, all this come together. Looking back, Bitten Fun Playscapes, it was definitely a slow build and certainly an elongated startup. I just couldn't devote all my time to building it. And I'm okay with that. You know, over time, I've took the time to learn. I've embedded myself into learning about the benefits of movement and researching different concepts, talking to educators, you know, what works, what doesn't work in their schools. And we have a great following, a great community of educators that provide us with feedback and new concepts. As a small business owner and mother of three, all my thoughts and ideas could not keep up with the reality of holding it all down. (laughs) There were many times where I wanted to just quit. I was overwhelmed and tired, but it seems like the very next day when I was ready to throw the towel in, I would get a call from a customer with a new idea or um, a customer would post or send us a photo and thanking us about how our activities have impacted Um, their students and their school as a whole. And the vision of seeing kids enjoying our activities definitely confirmed that I chose the right path. Like I said, it was a wiggly one. That, That last thing you just said is really interesting to me because I think there's a distinction behind that, that if you have a mission, if you're on a mission and you know you're, you're doing the right thing with your business, I think that helps overcome all the difficulties of running the business and dealing with the non-creative sides of running a business. Do you think I'm right there? I think you're right. And I think um, to be successful, you have to change your mindset. You might not, you know, the business that you think you're starting may not be the right choice. You have to be able to shift and um and 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 see where your heart and your mind is taking you. You know, yeah, I feel like it, like I said this, it took a long time to to build fit and fun where it is today. Mm-hmm. But it, it I'm glad that it wasn't rushed. I'm glad that we were I was able to take the time to learn, listen, and and at some point just sit back and watch and try to understand what what is going on in the schools. Um, as a company, we we still continue to learn and expand and create new games and activities. Um, and we have now I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a great team of passionate individuals that complement my vision. And, you know, we can collectively continue this journey. And we've got some great plans, but it, it just, I think, 
where we started Fit and Fun, it I think we're just a little different. Um, we're a little bit more focused. That's that's a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable where we are. We we know what we want to do and we know how we want to do it. We just need, you know, we're taking the time to do it the right way. So let's talk about the products for a second. They're more than cute characters and pretty colors. What else did you build into these? Yeah, we, because our company started outdoors with mainly stenciled activities, that's, uh, you know, what you think of, think of large sheets of plastic that are cut with these designs and them, some more intricate than others. And someone has to roll them out and and paint them. So you have to be very careful. You can't get overly intricate. It just won't work that way. That perspective, that experience helped us in other ways. So we don't want to overstimulate children. We want to give them just the right amount of engagement and an interest. So we we feel like our designs strike that balance of design, color, and pattern. Not too much of either either one of those. We don't want to overstimulate a child. We want to engage them, but not overload them with graphic vomit. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, there's, you know, and, and, and my, my, um, my experience when I was working on my architectural thesis and color and how there's relationships between colors and how co- certain colors can evoke certain uh, emotions and feelings. And um, so this all kind of plays into the designs that we make today. So you're getting kids out on playgrounds and in hallways and in, in these rollout activities and gymnasiums or wherever else they want to use them. And there are certain movements that you're after, right? How do you choose which movements are best for the kids through these activities? A lot of them are based on just natural movements, how, um, you know, how a child uh, would typically move every day, right? They're, they're getting out of bed, they're putting on their clothes, they're walking down the stairs, uh, they're, they're jumping off the sidewalk or whatever. And so we try to use those natural movements or, or understand them and build them into the design. Um, from a sci- more scientific point of view, there are certain movements, gross motor skills that um, fidget, physical educators are reinforcing and teaching in the schools. Um, today, because of all the digital devices that kids have, you would be amazed at the decrease in um, their gross motor skill abilities mm. uh, of children. You've got, you know, Ask yourself, when was the last time you've seen a kid ride a bike down the street? Yeah, good point. And, you know, so there's this whole sense of, oh, I'm not going to let my kid ride a bike down the street. It's not safe. Um, But I know they're home with a digital device and that seems okay. You know, that mindset is shifting. Don't get me wrong. That mindset is shifting, but that's what physical educators and people who are passionate about health and wellness for their for their kids and, and, and for their students, they're seeing the adverse effects of that. So you've got kids that that don't know how to play hopscotch or don't know how to kick a ball. And they're not even they don't even want to try because kids, if if they don't know how to do something, they're very hesitant to to try. Most kids. Mm-hmm. I am generalizing, of course. 
So um, the movements that we provide um, are, are the, the core is based on those gross motor skills. And then there's this whole sensory component where it talks about um, their vestibular proprioceptive movements as well, which are internal senses. You know, there's there's more than just five senses. So um, the you know their vestibular, tactile, proprioceptive movements mm -hmm. um, and, and and senses are really important. And so different pressures on the body and balancing these are these other types of movements that are that have always been in our designs. Um, they're just more clear. You know, we as a company we've defined them more clearly now. And the goal of that is certain movements um, lead to activation of thinking and calmness so they can, for instance, they go out for PE if they're allowed or into the gym for PE and they, they go through some of these exercises and they come back more ready to learn, right? Absolutely. So it's, it's very simple when people ask me to explain that connection, you know, movement and learning are intimately tied together. The, the brain gets oxygen as you're moving. Oxygen cleanses the brain. It, it kicks out all that excess activity and it stimulates other parts of the brain where it can help cognitive learning and it just overall, it, it helps make better learners. Not to mention all the other physical health benefits that movement does. So, there's a lot of studies and a lot of data about the benefits of being physically active. So what's the, what's the user experience like, Pam? How do, they, how do they put these down? Who has to be involved? You know, schools have to be very careful with what they do and where they put things, I'm sure. And the hallways, in some cases, are very tight. So um, how does it all work? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. In terms of application, depending on the product, there's, there's different means. So, like I said, stencils, you roll them out, and uh, ours are unique where you don't have to connect any dots or anything like that. You can go straight to painting. You don't really have to tape anything together. You don't have to measure. It rolls out, and you can paint. We work directly with Sherwin-Williams, and so our customers can purchase uh, Sherwin-Williams paint directly from us, specific to pavement. So we make that really easy. We can say how much paint is needed for all of our designs. I think we're the only ones that do that. Our super stickers, it's simple. You separate the back paper and you stick them down. There's some prep work that should be done. And there is some finish work. where You can put another, you know, wax over the stickers if the school chooses. But that's super easy. Our, our rollout activities, just, just do that. They're portable. They're vinyl. They roll out and they pretty much lay flat and people can use them. Uh, nothing needs professional installation. That was very important to me. Um, nothing needs precise measurements. It's all very easy due to the high quality materials that we use. And th these materials are forgiving. So someone with very to little, no experience can, can use them and install these. We provide very detailed information, and we're very transparent about what is included and what's not. Our customers are not just schools. We work with museums, parks, and health departments, and you know all different types of volunteer groups. And they come to us because we've made it easy for them to understand how it works and to purchase. We do everything except physically painting stencils. 
So that saves them a lot of money because they're doing it themselves or they're doing it with a group. That group project promotes a sense of community culture and those those people you know, mm-hmm. take ownership. We have high schoolers that can paint our stencils as class projects. And that's, it's, you know, it's amazing to see. They can say, yes, we put these down to help the younger students and kind of give back and pay it forward. That's great. Really, anyone can install our projects. Can, kids can do it with some adult guidance, of course, but we've invested in providing graphic instructions and videos and, you know, amazing customer support. That was always very important to me. Let's talk about teachers these days because they really have their hands full, right? Oh my goodness, yes. Yes. So um from from our perspective, teachers were heroes long before COVID. Yeah. Um you have teachers that have to have to buy things for the for their own students. You told me a story about a teacher who had to buy a coat for a child. Yeah. Um a winter coat. I'll even go back to um you know, how how schools and districts view physical activity. I think that the focus for decades have, has been primarily on the core subjects, math, ELA, social studies, science, and that's great. But those are worth nothing if your physical and mental health is, is not good. I think the system still thinks that kids go home and run through the neighborhood until dark, and they don't, like we just said. There's a lot of digital uh, activity going on, not a lot of physical activity. Yeah, it's just simply not the case. Kids are not getting movements at home. So the schools need to understand, and many of them do, that they are no longer the place just to learn. Schools are places to learn how to cope with each other, cope with social pressures, how you get along, how to resolve a conflict, learn a skill that you may never need in life, but just enjoy. Many schools feed, clothe, and have become yep. happy, safe places for students that don't get that support at home. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you ask me about teachers these days, it's all tied together. They they carry that burden. They want to teach your children. They want to do the best job they can do. But you have teachers with their own money. They're buying food, clothing, notebooks. And on top of it, you're going to add a pandemic Honestly, I, I don't know how, how they do it. I could never be a teacher. Oh, yeah. I, I just, yeah. I don't know how long they can keep, keep up. Now more than ever, there is a shortage of teachers and an increase in class size and the pay isn't typically enough for all that they do. I can't say enough about teachers. They need help. Perfect segue because the larger class sizes the focus being pulled away from activities and into sit still and do what you're told because they have to in a way just to keep control of the class. You fit very nicely into that scenario. Give me a, give me an example of how a teacher might use this in the classroom. Imagine a single teacher in a classroom, 20 to 30 kids. It's snowing outside, so they're not, they didn't go out for recess. And that day is not their PE day. So they've been inside, mainly at desks all day. Okay, they've moved in the hallways. 
And maybe you've given them a little break here and there, but now you've got to teach a social studies lesson. How's that going to turn out? (laughs) Anybody can see that that is not going to turn out well, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you could be the best teacher in the world, and there's many of them, but when you put yourself in that situation, I think you can understand the challenge that they have. And they've got classrooms where they've got children of all different abilities and skills and, and, and not even just educational abilities or academic abilities, different levels of focus. We'd like to think that we can help them just a little bit. You know, Fit and Fun cannot pay them more. <laughs> we cannot purchase food uh, or clothing, but we can provide solutions that can address their specific need either in the classroom or right outside the classroom in, in this example. You can put stickers, our super stickers on the floor, or use one of our rollout activities and individual student, or you can take the whole class just to take a five-minute activity break in the classroom, get them the activity that they need, and then come back to the desk and start the lesson. And teachers are really good at transitioning students, you know, even with outside recess. Let's say you've got a situation where, you know, like most days, they have PE once or twice, maybe three times a week if you're lucky, and you've got outdoor recess, right? You've got kids that are going to, the first thing you're going to do outside, they're going to go online, they're going to wait, they're going to go on the kickball line. That's a big deal. <laughs> that is a big deal. All my boys had trouble getting the, getting the nerve to go on that line. So, yes. Yeah. You've got all this stuff out for them, basketball, four square, kickball, but they're scared to use them. And so they're, or they're not comfortable moving, moving their bodies. We have activities for them. We have activities for those kids. Kids that were like my kids. Not every kid has the guts to get online and do that, but they may be okay jumping on painted blocks or tiptoeing along a line. And then maybe, maybe the next day they'll play in a hopscotch. And maybe the next day they'll play four square. So they are building their skills, their gross motor skills without even knowing it. And their confidence. Yep, exactly. They're building their confidence, their activities there that are challenging enough for them, but not doesn't need doesn't even need to involve other kids. They can do these activities on their own, mm-hmm. build their skills, build their confidence. And one day, if they choose, they may go and play basketball or kickball. And so we've got those kinds of games for those kids. We've, we've got, you know, kickball, basketball, and foursquare, but we've got, you know, dozens of other games that speak to those other kids. And again, they can all feel like they've gotten some fresh air and level of activity, and they can come back to the classroom ready to learn. That's the goal, Steve. And the goal as a company, like all companies, is to keep going. And one of the things I've really admired with you guys was how you pivoted during COVID. You started with social distancing stickers and then you went international. Just tell me a little bit about both of those. Yeah, actually, Steve, I'll, I'll correct you a little bit. We didn't start when COVID came to New York in March. The first thing we did is we put up free resources. We saw all the kids being sent home and including my own, I had a college kid come home, a high schooler, senior in high school, I'm sorry, he was a junior then, come home and a fifth grader at the time, come home and I, I still need to work. 
and it was really difficult. So we put up as best as a small company could put up free resources for home-based movement. I remember that. Yeah. So we did different types of things with that. Uh, we did, uh, we, we put up our space saver rollout activities. It's, so those are really compact versions of our other rollout activity or standard rollout activities, things that can be put in the hallway, put in a living room to get those movement breaks. Mm-hmm. We decided to put together a Zoom meeting and that was a big undertaking. We had a, a PE teacher, adapted PE uh, OT, which is an occupational therapist, a behavioral specialist. I feel like I'm missing one out, so forgive me. But a panel of five well-known, experienced educators on a call, and we had over 100 people on that call for two hours talking about Brilliant. how, yeah, talking about how they're going to prepare themselves for the opening, the reentry of of schools in their individual disciplines. That that's what we did, Steve. We, we just, we tightened our belts and we right. tried to stay as focused as we, as we could. And here we are, January, 2021. And Steve, we also took the time to focus and learn about our international schools across the globe and learn about the unique challenges they have. We always had inquiries come in from all over the world. But it was a good time to really focus and kind of scope that out, how we want to address and expand fit and fun across the globe. Okay, last question. Tell me about one of your many moments that you had working with a a client. Yeah. Oh, gosh. There's so many goodies. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, there, there there really are. Okay. We got a call, maybe it was an email earlier this fall from a, an Eagle Scout, and he completed his project using our reusable stencils. I would say within a week or two, we got a different email from mm. a different customer, and it was from a Girl Scout, and she sent in a video she was going for her gold award in Girl Scouts. That's their highest the equivalent. Award in Girl yeah. Scout. Yeah. yeah. That's the equivalent. And it just, I, you know, they really, the way they, they wrote about the experience, Steve, and how, you know, even though, you know, one of the schools, they, they, the students were in back in session, but they talked about the impact this has made on them, this experience of, you know, putting the stencils down and painting them and leaving their mark and making what was important to them a better place. It, it really, it spoke to me because that's kind of what Fit and Fun is doing. We're leaving our mark. We impact hundreds of thousands of kids a year at this point. And to have such, you know, a young group, these are teens that chose of all the different projects they chose and all the different companies that they could have chosen, they came to us. And these are not experienced. These are not adults. These are teens. This is the toughest group you can ever get. They chose us. And I think that really spoke to me. That was like, you know, we're really making a difference. We really are. It's those kinds of stories when, you know, I hear you ask these questions, Steve, to your other troublemakers. 
you know, about entrepreneurism and, and how do you know and what did you do differently? And when you, when you feel like you've just had a rotten week or a rotten day, you know you're in the right place, you know, a few days later when something like that comes up and you're like, you know what? We are in the right place. We are doing the right thing. We are making a difference. We are good at what we're doing. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think when life throws curveballs like we've had this past god-awful year, then the job is simply to stay alive and hope you can stay alive long enough to, to see the other side of it because y- you see the reaction of those scouts and, and you see the reaction of so many other customers and people out there and educators. And I- I'm with you on that. I love how you phrase that, the fact that you're making a difference and you know it. That's the energy. That gives you the energy to get through. If you can survive the money issues, then you're going to be fine. I, I feel that way. You know, and I, I do feel like every time we get a sale, I still have that, you know, that feeling like, oh, they chose us. That's cool. You know, it's still new and fresh to us. We, I still feel that. Like, wow. I, you know, thank you. And you're in your 10th year of this. Yeah. It, it, but again, it's been a very slow build. And yeah. I'm okay with that, you know? And I yeah. think we, we're just, we have a good foundation to grow. It wasn't- No, but my, my point is you still get tinglys when, when yeah. you get a new client. I love that. We do. I like that. We still get tinglys <laughs> when we get new customers. <laughs> and the photos and the feedback or the social media posts are, are really, it never gets old never gets old. You know, we're never like, oh, great. We just got to, you know, order in from so-and-so. No. <laughs> and every, it doesn't have to be a big order. Every order counts because that yeah. is someone who's, you know, advocated for fitness. Um, they fundraise probably, or they've written grants. This, you know, these are not, you know, it's just like, okay, let's just do this project. There was a lot of thought and planning that gets put into uh, these projects. It's a collective force. That's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we, we pivoted just a little bit. It wasn't a, a full turn, <laughs> but we took what we've made for almost a decade and we just marketed it in a slightly different way. And we created what we called active sidewalks. So we took our stencils instead of putting them in in a, you know, on school grounds, on a playground, I reached out to our local little village here. Uh, I've seen it happen, you know, I've seen it used this way for years before, but we really wanted to, to focus in and promote how you could use our stencils along sidewalks and create socially distant, equipment-free, touch-free activities along the sidewalk. And you can permanently paint them or use... Um, spray chalk. There's a lot of different types. So we looked at those and I could look out the window. We, we tested them right in front of my house. We could see kids and adults go by. And this is this was early in COVID, like probably April, May. We could see them go by. And it was so cool to see families hopping, jumping, tiptoeing. That was a great pivot for us. It didn't cost anything. We just had it a we just had to remarket are reusable stencils a slightly different way. And we've seen a, that really resonated with our customers. The schools picked up on that right away and their students are enjoying recess time 
for those that wanted it to be socially distant or physically distant, I should say, and touch-free and equipment-free. We have those options. It can work. The kids can have a good time out there. It's not the, the best or, or you know, the, the best experience that Fit and Fun can provide to them, but given the pandemic and the clear concerns, we felt that we could shift our products and, and fill that void, fill that need. So, Pam, this has been awesome. Great information for teachers and educators. I love how you're moving the company forward. I appreciate you having me, Steve. It was a real pleasure and experience to kind of go through the whole process and answer your questions. To learn more about Pam Gunther and Fit and Fun, go to fitandfunplayscapes.com. From there, you can keep up with them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at troublegroup.com. If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast, email us at steve at troublegroup.com. Thank you.